Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how aloe moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings or even just like a bad day is to hop on allomoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Allo Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com, code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. Welcome to Fat Mascara. How's it going? I'm Jess. Hi, everyone. I'm Jen. Oh, I'm excited about this episode. All right. Now, yeah, we first, before we get into the big event, our big interview, we have an announcement to make. We actually have, after like, God, a year plus of like isolation, we're going to be doing something very exciting. Get, don't get too excited because it's still virtual, yeah, but we're yeah. having a party. We're yeah. having a party. It's a Davenous Earth Day party. 
So longtime listeners may remember, we did an Earth Day party with Davinus two years ago. Yeah, two years um, ago. In person. And I remember getting all these messages from people that weren't in New York City, like, oh my God, I wish I could have come. And I wish you could have been there because it was really fun. Um, But this time, everybody's invited. Yes, you in Australia. Yes, you in Brazil. Yes, you in Boise, Idaho. Come on down. Come to the Davinus Earth Day party. So Earth Day this year is Thursday, April 22nd. And at 8 p.m. Eastern time, Jess and I are going to be holding court with, well, we have a special guest, Natasha Speth. She's a hairstylist here in Brooklyn. We're all going to be talking about how to make your hairstyling routine more sustainable. She has great tips for that. We're going to talk about how to shampoo and conditioning, styling techniques. Then you're going to be able to ask us questions. You're going to be able to hang out with other Fat Mascara listeners, do a little chat. Maybe we'll do a little quiz here and there. Maybe we'll throw in a prize. I don't know. But get this, everybody that attends is going to get a free gift from Davinus right after the event. So to sign up, all you have to do is go to fatmascara.com slash Davinus. That's the Italian um, hair care company. We've talked about it a bunch of times on the uh, on the show. It's spelled D-A-V-I-N-E-S. Again, go to fatmascara.com slash Davinus to register for the event. It's free. Again, it's Thursday, April 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern. We will definitely put this on the blog. We'll put it on the Instagram. I'll put it in the show notes because we want everybody to come. Um, I'm so excited to see you all or, or hear you all or chat with you all. And also to chat with Natasha because she's great and we're, we're excited to bring you all of her tips and techniques. It's going to be um, nice to be together. Us. Nice to be together. I know, I know. Next year may be really in person, but the cool thing is because it's not in person, everybody around the world's invited. So that makes me happy. Okay, let's get to the big interview now. Yes! We've got a great chat with Chris Buckley. He is one of the premier soap experts on making soap, selling soap, packaging soap, everything soap. He is the executive vice president of customer experience for Bradford Soapworks. Bradford Soapworks is one of the oldest shops in town. It was founded in 1876. They manufacture custom soaps for companies like Johnson & Johnson, P&G, Galderma, L'Oreal, Hankel's, Palmer's, Ambi, Paul Mitchell, Estee Lauder Company's, Tom's, Shea Moisture, I could go on. What's also exciting about this company is that they have been doing stuff that we have been taking for granted or just assume is like best practice. They've been doing it since basically the dawn of time. Okay, maybe not the dawn of time, but for a really long time. So for example, they received, um, they were the first U.S. soap manufacturer to receive organic certification, 2002. That's like 20 years ago. Um, they were the first U.S. the first company to work with the Rainforest Alliance on sourcing 100% traceable, sustainable palm oil. That's a really big deal. We're going to talk about that. After this interview, there is no way you're going to look at a bar of soap the same way, even a bottle of shower gel the same way. Honestly, I can't. This interview has changed the way I look at, like, when I when I open up a thing of shower gel. I just cannot look at it the same way. And you're going to, you're going to see what I mean. So thank you, Chris, for opening my eyes. Thank you for making me appreciate the craft of soapery. And it's just a really enlightening conversation. And I I really think you guys are going to enjoy this combo. It's it's a little different than our usual interviews, but um, it's for the best. Thank you, Chris. And let's hit it. When we knew we wanted to do an episode all about soap, 
I did a little research and someone mentioned your name and I was told you've got to talk to Chris at Bradford. So Chris, I need you to tell us what sort of magic happens at Bradford. Well, I think the first thing you need to understand is that people think that soap is all the same formulation and that the only real difference is fragrance and color and packaging. That's not actually true. When you look at a lot of the mid-market, what we call mastige and prestige brands, there is something significantly different about the formulation. A lot of the uh, entry-level products are actually very similar. But once you start getting into brands such as Estee Lauder do or L'Oreal or Galderma or brands such as that, then you actually find that the formulations are quite different. What Bradford does is they make formulations in a way that allows us to personalize those formulations and make something that's very different to other formulations that are on the market. Very much in a a batch system where we can make very individual formulations with uh, ingredients that are not normally within soap. And then uh, that that formulation is dedicated to a brand that that we manufacture. Mm, Okay. So now when we spoke in like a little kind of pre-interview, you told me that there was a period in your career when soap was on the decline. When was that? Well, to be honest, soap has been on a very slow decline as an overall market for the last 20 or 30 years up till very recently, up till about two or three years ago. Okay. However, as I like to say, the devil is in the detail. So yes, the overall market was in decline, but what you saw was that the the soaps that had no added value, the the cheap entry-level soaps, were in double-digit decline, whereas if you look at the the mid-market and the prestige market, they were actually in growth. But so many more bars were being sold in that cheaper end that it was slowly dragging the market down. But mid-level and premium-level soaps have actually been growing for a number of years. Now, when I say soaps, are we talking about the bar soaps? We're not including shower gels, right? We're not including shower gels. Okay, I just wanted to be really clear. Purely and simply bars of soap. Okay. And one of the reasons, of course, is the advent of shower gels and body washes. And that's one of the, the things that was causing the decline, particularly okay. at the entry level. But a lot of the mid-level soaps have been growing. And of course, recently, because of COVID, soap sales have actually increased significantly over the last couple of years. I'm sure. Are we talking hand soaps or back again to bars you mean have increased? Uh, Bars themselves, although liquids have as well, because obviously the CDC tells everybody to wash five or six times a day. So a lot more liquid soaps, a lot more bar soaps are being being used. But there is also a trend back uh, from millennials and Gen Zs for them to want to have an individual soap. They no longer want cookie cutter soaps. They want something that looks a little bit different. So what you've seen is a range of brands in the mid to premium market generated by some of the big brand houses to cater for that younger consumer that doesn't want cookie cutter anymore. So you see brands like Love Beauty Planet and Right to Shower from from Unilever, where they're aimed at a specific younger audience. 
And it's a brand that's not really uh, everywhere mass market. It's very much tailored towards these um, pivotals, which are Gen Zs and, and, and above, in order for, to satisfy that need for non-cookie cutter type soaps. I want to ask you about soap more technically, but first I just wanted to point out too, because like I'm a bar girl myself, it's because I also don't want plastic packaging. Have you noticed that people are like, oh, well, if it's a bar, then I don't have to have all that plastic packaging. Yeah, definitely. And again, um, a lot of the millennials and Gen Zs are seeing that if I buy a body wash, I'm buying something that's got 80 to 90% water in it. I've got this big plastic container that I don't know what to do with afterwards. I get probably a quarter of the number of washes out of a body wash than than I do from a bar of soap. And the body wash costs me $7, whereas I can pay a dollar for a bar of soap or or even less. So what you're seeing is um, a move away from some of the liquid products, particularly as water is going to be one of our scarcest resources. I mean, I think it was Cape Town about two years ago in in, uh, South Africa actually ran out of drinking water in in the town centre and they were having to tanker in clean water for people just just to drink and and to wash with. So water's becoming one of our scarcest resources and they see that all this water's been put into products. The carbon footprint, because you you ship it for miles, the carbon footprint is not very good. So all of a sudden they realise that soap is actually quite a sustainable product a uh, bar soap versus a liquid soap. I, I like your soap PSA there. That was very helpful. Thank <laughs> you. But let's um, let's back up a teeny bit. So you make these, um, Bradford's helps to make soaps for many different companies. You're like a white label producer. What is a soap? Like by definition. So soap by definition is, is a combination of oils or fats and oils, which are reacted with an ingredient called sodium hydroxide or or caustic soda. So what happens is if you take something like palm oil and coconut oil and you put it into a tank and add sodium hydroxide, the sodium hydroxide reacts with the oils and literally uh, creates neat soap. So it creates soap that is is obviously, there's no colour, there's no fragrance or anything at that stage, but the reaction actually is it, Technically, it turns the oils into a sodium salt. So the sodium in the sodium hydroxide reacts with the, with the palm oil, for example, and makes something called sodium palmate. Or it'll react with the coconut oil and make something called sodium cocoate. Or in the event of um, animal fat soaps, and there are still a lot of animal fat soaps out there, uh, using something called beef tallow, it makes something called sodium tallowate. Tallowate, yeah. I want to, yeah, I want to ask you about that animal stuff in a second. If you pick up a bar of soap in a supermarket, you can immediately tell what type of soap it is by the very first ingredient on the ingredient list. If you pick it up and it says sodium palmate, you know it's a vegetable soap. If you pick it up and it says sodium tallowate you'll know it's an animal fat soap. Who's doing animal fat soaps? Well, to be honest, a lot of the entry-level brands like Irish Spring, Lever 2000, uh, brands such as that are are still actually um, beef tallow. Is that for cost reasons? Yeah, primarily because tallow, uh, because it's a byproduct of the meat industry, 
Um, tallow is actually very cheap, makes a really good soap. And so obviously people have continued to use it for, you know, well, centuries really uh, in, in terms of making soap. So Chris, you're talking about all of these palm oil, coconut oil, the things that go into soap. And we've heard a lot in the industry about some of these aren't super sustainable. Um, is that true? And like, how does Bradford deal with that issue? Yeah, there's been, obviously I've mentioned before that the main ingredient in a lot of soaps is palm oil. And there's been a lot of negativity about palm oil sourced from Malaysia and Indonesia mm -hmm. because of deforestation and 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 disrupting the habitat of orangutans and things like that. However, what we decided to do is we work with an organization called the Rainforest Alliance. That's that little green frog you see on like Lipton's Tea and Dove Chocolate and Chiquita Bananas. They're an independent organization and we work with them to have some family-owned plantation in Central America certified to Rainforest Alliance. They do um, state-of-the-art sustainable techniques and we bring our palm oil in direct from their plantations direct into our facility in west warwick rhode island it's a hundred percent sustainably sourced identity preserved palm oil that we bring in direct from central america what does that mean identity preserved it like means you, it's traceable it's you know traceable it's, it's a little bit like having something that's organic so you know where it was made how it was made the, the techniques it was it was used to make it so not used to using pesticides you know using literally bison and buffalo to pull the carts around rather than big tractors and basically harvested in sustainable ways and it means that you can identify it's being segregated and you can identify this as as literally being produced in sustainable ways. So the identity of that sustainably sourced material is proven and you can literally track it all the way from them producing it, pulling the fruits off the trees, all the way to bringing it into our factory in Rhode Island. That's good to know. A lot. Of, a lot of, I think a lot of people are concerned about that. They we are. also work with the Global Shea Alliance too, right? We work with the Global Shea Alliance, yes. In, um, in fact, we, we do a lot of products that have got shea butter in them. Um, in fact, you can look on the market and you can see brands that have actually got Shea in their name. And uh, we work with the Global Shea Alliance, so we're a non-profit. They specialize in female empowerment in, in Africa because it's typically the women who are controlling and working within the, the, the Shea industry. And they help give, give those ladies better production techniques, the way that they can then produce Shea butter all year long and then put them into into connection with people like Bradford Soap, who will use a lot of a lot of shea butter. In fact, we produced the soap once that was seventy five percent shea butter, um, oh, and it had it had a beautiful feel to it. So we work with the Global Shea Alliance. In fact, we've even got some sort of um, give back programs where if people actually create a shea soap with Bradford, we'll actually have some trees planted in Ghana in their name uh, through the through the Global Shea Lines. Um, and in fact, if, if you go on our, our sustainability page on our website, we've actually got videos of both the palm oil plantations in Central America and the Shea farms that we visited in Ghana 
Uh, we actually went there and did videos just to show all the good work that's, that's going on there. So those first ingredients you see that are the technical soaps that end in the letters A-T-E, the cocoa weight, the tallow weight, if it is that, what do they do to dirt? Do they, when you're washing, do they just, that ingredient grabs onto the dirt and then it all rinses away? And that's what you call soap? They're what's called surfactants. So a mm-hmm. bar soap is a surfactant. Actually, liquid soaps are surfactants as well. So think of it as it's made up of all these molecules. And what you've really got is, uh, in fact, think in layman's terms, think of it as like a tadpole. So you've got a head of the tadpole that is hydrophilic, so it loves water. You've got a tail of it that's hygroscopic or is actually lipophilic, so it lights fat. So basically what you've got is the tail, when, when you wash something that's got fat or dirt on it, the tail sort of loves to grab hold of the, the fat or the dirt. The head, which is much stronger, likes to be with water, so it pulls the dirt and the oils and, and off your clothes and then takes it into the water and, and takes it away with the water. So that's very basically how a surfactant works. And a bar soap and a liquid soap are actually very good surfactants. That's a great image. It's really helpful. And that's not just for clothes, obviously. That's for your skin or maybe your scalp if you're shampooing. It works the same way, It right? works whether it's your skin, it's your scalp, whether you're cleaning surfaces, whether you're putting, you know, cleaning dishes in the sink. Uh, they're all basically detergents and surfactants and work in the same way uh, in terms of the, the breaking down fat, the grabbing hold of fat, and they're the bringing it into the water and, and basically taking it down uh, as I call the plug hole when uh, when you let the water out. Okay, and then I think you answered this, but I'm just want to double check. Like, if you don't have the animal fat, like you used to back in the day, or maybe you still do, if you're buying, you know, something with sodium tallowate, uh, is it that vegetable fat that does the same thing, like the palm oil or yeah, the coconut pa- oil? Yeah, palm oil in a lot of ways uh, is very similar to tallow. In fact, okay. to be honest, I've worked in soap for for like over thirty years now. I struggle to tell the difference between a soap that's been made with palm oil and a soap that's been made with tallow. To look at them, to feel them, to use them, there is very, very little difference. They're both essentially what are called triglycerides. So they're very similar in makeup. So when you actually combine them with sodium hydroxide, they work very much in the same way, perform the same. The lather's the same, the they're creamy. The same, exactly. Same sort of creamy lather. And like I say, I struggle to tell the difference and, and I've been in soap for 30, 30 plus years. Is there, a, is there like a sort of oil or fat that makes... So, yeah, like something very creamy, <laughs> or is it not really fair because it's about the ratio of X and Y? Funny you should say that. Yes, there is. So most soaps are usually a combination. They have the primary oil. So it's either palm oil or it's tallow. So it's either 80% palm oil or 85% tallow. The second ingredient, which is quite often coconut oil or something called palm kernel oil, and those two are pretty identical chemically. They're the ones that create the creaminess within the lava. Oh, okay. So now they tend to be a little bit more expensive, and that's why you have 80% to 20% or 85% to 15%. That's why there's a smaller amount. But if you increase the level of coconut oil or palm kernel oil, 
you'll actually get a creamier lather because of that. So it's those ingredients that make the creaminess in the lather. I understand. So I remember I went to the south of France once and they were like, olive oil soap is the best soap. And then you'll hear from other people, Castile soap is the best soap. Mm. Like, what, what does that make a difference then if you're adding in those kind of things? Well, different oils can actually perform in different ways. So different oils can actually moisturize your skin in, in different ways. Um, but usually when a soap is turned into a sodium soap, then... To be honest, a lot of the moisturizing capabilities are no longer there because it's changed chemically. So then it's more about oh. other, other things that you add into there. However, one other interesting point is if you, there's two ways of, of making soap. One is from the whole oils, just like Bradford does, or you can actually make it from fatty acids. So it's the oils that have had some of the ingredients taken out. When you make soap, glycerin is actually a byproduct of that reaction. Because we use the whole oils and because we do it in very clean, defined processes and we use edible grade raw materials, we actually leave that glycerin in. So oh. soap that's made from fatty acids is about 1% to 2% glycerin. The soap that we make is about 6 to 8% glycerin. So you get a much nicer feel. You do get free glycerin that, that you know, can, can actually moisturize your skin. It just feels a lot nicer than just regular soap. Is that why some soaps, Jess and I were talking about this, like you put them in the shower and they just melt and disappear like in six showers, whereas some other ones like last and last and last. What's going on there? Definitely. It's about the profile of the different oils. The different oils will absorb water at different levels. And really, at the end of the day, if your soap is going mushy, what's happening is it's absorbing the water and then basically going down the drain quicker. You'll yeah. find soaps like olive oil soaps, etc., will absorb water uh, a lot quicker, a lot easier. They tend to be not as saturated. You've heard the term of like saturated fat and things like that. The more saturated an oil, and palm oil is quite saturated, the more it will hold together. The less saturated, then the more it tends to fall apart. Olive oil is a very unsaturated fat. That's why it's liquid at room temperature. Those blocks are like, they're like bricks, those olive oil soaps. They they're are, just like. But they've been turned, you see. The olive oil is no longer olive oil. It's now. Oh, it's still already sodium olive yeah. now. So it's sodium okay. olive. Oh, okay. All right. I got it. We should probably talk about non-soap stuff. Well, I, I, I we can go all night here because now I've got another question I've got to ask. What about, I will never forget the nicest soap I ever, or maybe it was my first nice soap that I ever had. So it's so fresh in my mind. I think, I swear to God, I think I got it at Marshall's and I was like 11 years old. <laughs> and it said French milled soap. Ooh. I don't know if that was just something they put on the, the wrap. Maybe it was made in New Jersey where I bought it. But it's in French milled. What is that? Very clever marketing ah, nowadays. Okay. There is some history to it. So when you make soap, you make the raw material soap. That's the first stage. It's very clearly two separate stages. You make the raw material soap. Once you've made the raw, raw material soap, 
you add things like colour and fragrance. Mm -hmm. And then you put it through a set of roll mills. So they're big rollers. And what that's designed to do is squash the soap so that it squashes the fragrance and colour and any other ingredient you're adding into the soap to make a homogenous formulation. Now, in the olden days, when a French um, high-class perfumery were making soaps, they would mill it to make sure this very expensive fragrance goes all the way through the soap. So they were very much about making sure that this bar of soap smelled the same all the way through with this high-quality fragrance. So the French started that. A lot of the perfume houses started the milling process to make sure the soap was very, very uniform, smelt the same, and took this very high-quality fragrance through. Now, really, most soap companies, where they're doing that type of soap, whether it's in France or whether it's in West Warwick, Rhode Island, um, <laughs> actually use roll mills to make a homogenous formulation where the fragrance is all the way through the soap. Okay. What's in West Warwick, Rhode Island? Is that where Bradford That's the head is? office of Bradford, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Also, I was thinking Jess and I should start up like quadruple mills. Like it's just, it doesn't mean anything. Like three is nothing. Like why not do it nine times at this point, right? Yeah, Bradford Soap Works in West Warwick, Rhode Island. It's actually a soap company that's 140 years old. Do you uh, mill 140 times? Uh, we we try to, but sometimes we have to get on and make the bar of soap rather than just mill it. So yeah, uh, it's just funny how some terms become like, oh yeah, that's what you want, and nobody really knows what it means. But Jessica, I, I'm very like attracted to anything that says French mills because I mean, you should have seen this bar of soap. It was like a big old Easter egg. It was so it was creamy and delicious. So the marketing worked on me. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's highest hair is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did, start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Hey everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how aloe moves helps us stay fit. 
But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings, or even just like a bad day, is to hop on allomoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Allo Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom and it took so long and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line and after that I was like never again until Honey Love came along Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath and there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom it's so easy Honey Love products make you look good and feel good whether it's for a wedding event an everyday boost of confidence Honey Love is the perfect plus one treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Okay, let's talk about bars of, I, I was going to say bars of soap, but bars that y- you cannot call them soap. And I, I will use this example. I'll never forget um, in my early beauty editor days, writing about Dove. And I you know, wrote like Dove, blah, 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 like best bar soap in the universe, use it everywhere. It's so great for sensitive skin. And fact checking came back to me. And they said, you cannot call this soap. It is not soap. According to the press release, it is not soap. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Or it is, it is a beauty bar. And 
that made sense to me because the whole point, I felt kind of foolish, was like it is a non-soap cleanser. What do you call things like this? Like Cetaphil is one of them. Um, Bor- Borage, if I'm pronouncing it right. I think Olay. I'm not sure if Olay. Yes. Is a beauty yeah, the bar. bars. Yeah, it's a beauty yep. bar. Um, there's, it's a whole category. Yeah, we, we call them, in the trade, we call them syndets. Uh, okay. S-Y-N-D-E-T. It's actually an acronym for synthetic detergent. So oh, that's cool. Like so that. M- most of them actually start off their life as coconut oil. So it actually is coconut oil, but it's reacted and essentially it's brought down to one or two key ingredients. It's either something called SCI or sodium cocoyl acetionate or something called SLI, sodium lauryl acetionate. It's, at that stage, it's technically a detergent. It's not a soap. You don't react it with sodium hydroxide. So again, if you look at the FDA's definition of soap, it's basically reacting fats and oils. I mean, they're a bit more technical. They talk about reacting triglycerides with sodium hydroxide, et cetera. But that's a reaction. This is more of a blend. So they take coconut oil, they transform it into one of these two ingredients, and then it's more of a detergent now. The key thing about this is that particular process, because you don't have to use sodium hydroxide, which is very caustic, and that's why they call it caustic soda, the pH of a regular bar of soap is about 10. The pH of a soap-free bar is about 5.5, which happens to be about the same as your skin. Now, a lot of the brands put a little bit of soap in there, but that's more about getting a particular feel or a particular consistency to the soap. So most of those types of brands, like Dove, like Cetaphil, like CeraVe, like Banner Cream, they're, you know, uh, they tend to be either 5.5 or towards that um, pH 7 range. So very mild. And that's why a lot of these bars are actually in the dermatological area. So bands like Banner Cream, CeraVe and Cetaphil will be recommended by um, dermatologists for people who have skin issues because it's mm. a lot milder on the skin. Okay. I also like that the brands that you just mentioned, they're also um, quite affordable. But um, I want to talk about like price range in general. So you can go to CVS and you can get a pack of like four soaps for $5. But then, you know, we all know you can go to like a sweet little gift shop and, you know, one bar of soap can be $16 like easily. What do you think are the main sorts of differences that set bars of soap apart besides like marketing? Well, some of it is obviously about automation because if you're selling, you know, hundreds of millions of bars of soap today, like a lot of the brands do, then obviously you can set a machine up. Some of our machines run at several thousand bars an hour. Wow. So obviously the the cost of producing it is basically more about the raw materials and the packaging um, than anything else. If you're making, and it's actually quite easy to make soap at home, and a lot of these people will make it in their kitchen or make it in their garage and sell it at these nice little farmer's markets, That's all about the fact that they can't buy the raw materials at sensible prices. They're making just a few bars at a time. 
they're probably putting very expensive fragrances in there. And uh, so it's all more about the cost of goods uh, because of because of scale. So we buy the raw materials much, much lower than somebody who's selling it at some market fair would. And we're producing thousands of bars an hour as opposed to somebody who's doing it in their garage who's making 30 bars and it's taking them two days to do it. Right. Okay. Okay. But everybody's kind of working with coconuts and the same base materials is what I hear you say. They do, yeah. I mean, a lot of people at home will hmm. buy palm oil and will buy coconut oil and uh, they will react it with sodium hydroxide. But obviously, they're buying in a little container of, of palm oil, yes. a little container of coconut oil. Well, I just thought like, oh, no, they ha- you guys are using the fancy raw materials and that's why it costs more. But it's scale and I'm sure marketing, right? It's scale and marketing. Now, some of the, the medium and the mastige brands and prestige brands do actually then start putting ingredients in there that can make a significant difference. So, you know, you look at brands, you know, brands such as CeraVe, where they put some of their night creams in uh, and things like that, then there are, you know, added value items that are going into these brands, which will make something like a, a Cetaphil or a CeraVe more expensive than a, a Dial or an Irish Spring, because there are added things going in there. But when you're buying things at a gift shop, normally they've been made in very small batches, Typically, the raw materials are going to be more expensive because mm-hmm. of the quantities they're buying them, and the process is less automated. So the cost of goods is just significantly more. And they're and they're French milled. And the French milled. <laughs> they, they, they got me. They got me. And of course, if you're selling them at a market stall, you're thinking, well, I'm only going to send, sell ten bars today, so I need to make, you know, three bucks a bar. Whereas obviously, when you're selling hundreds of millions of bars, you can. You can make far less profit um, than people, sense. you know, in selling it in gift shops. So uh, there's a lot of different factors, but it, it's it's all about you know uh, cost of manufacture and how many you're going to sell. So therefore, what profit you need to make. I want to ask you. You know, we talked just a, a minute at the top about shower gels and how like they are definitely not the more eco-friendly option by any means, but. Um, I just, I remember when shower gels like really kind of blew up and it was, you know, people were getting little shower poofs and there was, you know, it just felt like a really novel idea. Did they just like turn the soap world upside down? And, and in your, like kind of, when do you remember them hitting the scene? Like, what was it like for somebody in the soap business? Well, to be honest, Shower gels and body washers really came onto the scene in the 50s and 60s. Oh, okay. I was not there for that. I thought yeah, I'm, I was having just, a, I'm having I a was different just, memory. I'm actually gonna, not as old as, as I'm making myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I'm even going back just about, you know, the, the early 50s and 60s. Okay. I mean, I was born in, born in the late 50s. So, What happened was prior to then, believe it or not, it was typical for people to bathe or wash not much more than once a week. But then when everybody became a little bit more affluent, um, particularly in Europe as well, when there was a big uh, housing boom um, after the Second World War and everything, and there was lots more of new houses being built, those houses came with, with showers as standard. Whereas most houses before the 1950s 
did not come with, with showers as standard. So you got more affluent people, um, a housing boom, and showers being put in as standard. People were looking for alternative ways of, of, of going into the shower. Um, so people became more affluent. The showers were in houses um, when they were building them rather than being a, a post-build item that you added. So people were looking for different different ways of showering, different products, different ingredients. And that's when shower gels first came in. Now, you look at that in terms of usages and uses and attitudes of, of consumers. What you also find is that a lot of the big branded companies all of a sudden realized, hang on a second, we can make something that's 80 or 90% water, which is free, and we can sell it for two or three times the price of a bar of soap, we can make a lot more money out of this. So obviously, uh, a lot of the branded companies wanted to promote body washers and shower gels because their profit margins were significantly bigger uh, than they were on this lowly bar of soap that typically was the entry-level entry washing item. That's so fascinating. Um but okay, I want to talk, talk to you about the sustainability part just a little bit more. Um, it's also just the shipping of these the bo- the bottles. Like you told you told me that like if I buy something in California, if I buy a four dollar seven dollar bottle of shower gel, it like basically may have flown or been trucked across the country. Yes, I Jersey. mean yeah, because if you if you look at a lot of the. Um, Retailers, retailers tend to have their own brands, such as Walmart's got Equate and Target's got Up and Up and things like that. Now, a lot of the um, private label manufacturers tend to be in certain areas. So, for example, there's some very big ones in the in the New York area that actually do Equate or Up and Up nationally for these supermarkets. So, what you can find is that, you know, body washers that can be made in the New York area are trucked all the way over to, you know, the Walmart in Calexico um, for somebody to buy off the shelf there. So you're shipping all this water in this plastic container, um, you know. The trucks weigh more, more gas, carbon imprint. More gas, 3,000 miles across the U.S. uh, to satisfy consumers that way. So you're trucking a lot of water, you're putting it in a plastic bottle. The, by the very nature, they're not very, um, you know, space friendly. They're in this, they're in this box, and they're all funny shapes. So you're not, you're not, you know, you you fill a truck with bottles well before you get to the weight limit. So the number of bottles you get in a truck is way less than the number of bars of soap you would get in a truck as well. So it's a very inefficient way of transporting that. So. From a sustainability aspect, it, it, it's not very good. You're, you're making a great case for bars here. You also mentioned, um, I want to ask you about some of your favorite soaps, but you just mentioned private label, meaning there's these manufacturers that make, like you said, up and up, and these all might be made in the same factory. What does, does Bradford do private label manufacturing? No, we don't. We, what do you guys do? We just work for, for the branded companies. So the vast majority of soaps that you buy in, in the supermarket in the US are actually 
not manufactured by the brands who's got their name on it. They're actually manufactured people like Bradford. The one big exception to that is Unilever. Unilever do actually make the vast majority of their, their Dove bar. But uh, virtually all the other bars that you see on a supermarket shelf are actually made by a manufacturer such, such as Bradford. We tend to specialise in that more mid to premium sector because the way that we manufacture soap allows us to give formulations that are quite unique. So we do more of that added value type production. So we're typically not with the entry level brands. We're typically with the mid and premium level brands. Okay. So the ones that might have like the fun nubbies on them or if it's a perfumed soap. Or the ingredients that are in them, you know, because obviously making those Sindet soaps that uh, I've talked about, um, making Sindet soap and making regular soap actually makes Bradford quite unique in, in that what we, we like to call ourselves a custom manufacturer, where the only people we know that are actually vertically integrated into creating the Sindet noodles and creating the regular soap noodles and then turn, turning oh, them into whoa, soap. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to stop you here. What's a noodle? Right. Okay. So you remember I said that soap is a two-stage... I thought he said noodle. Yeah, I did. <laughs> remember I said... I that, like it already. ...that soap is a two-stage process? Yes. The first stage is to literally just think of having a big tank and you're bubbling all these oils away. And at one stage when it's turning into soap, it looks like a 40,000 pound tank of bubbling porridge. Now, obviously, what you need to do is get it sort of semi-solid so you can turn it into a bar of soap. So you dry it. Now, at this stage, you've just got a big tank of this, you know, soap that's looking like Play-Doh. In order to be able to transport it and use it and make sure that the fragrance and colour is um, dispersed evenly around the soap, what you actually do is put it through a plate with all holes in and a blade going round and you cut it into small, what are called noodles or chips. It's like my Play-Doh thing back in the day. Exactly like your Play-Doh thing. So think of it as a Play-Doh thing, and as it's coming extruded out, you're chopping it off into different shapes. Well, you do one here that's probably about the size of a sewing thimble, but obviously you've got millions of them in a bag. It's so that you can transport them easier, and it's so that when you're adding colour and fragrance, you're covering a lot of the surface of the soap immediately, so it's a lot easier to get yourself a homogenous formulation where the fragrance and the color is all the way through the soap. Oh, and then those little noodles and all those other add-ins will get milled together? They'll get milled, then, so very okay, good. I think you, we've got it. You, all right. You're getting it, Jen. So what happens is you actually take it to a mixer, or we call them an amalgamator, where you add to the noodles color and fragrance, and maybe other things that you might want to add in there that you, are your hero ingredients. You then push it through a mill. So these thimble-sized pieces of soap, which at the moment have just got fragrance and colour and things on the outside, get squashed through the mill and the fragrance and colour is pushed all the way through it. So you then mill it. Um, You then put it through an extrusion machine where, again, it's more about making it, again, a uniform formulation and it comes out of this machine 
and you basically have a machine that then stamps it into a special shape. So you have literally a, a stamping machine that you can put all sorts of different shapes and sizes on and uh, take this soap and stamp it into your favorite shape. Don't you want to go to the factory? I do. And I, I wish really we had asked him that at the top of the interview, but we came full circle. Now everybody gets the <laughs> process from beginning to end. I have to ask you, you must see hundreds of different kinds of soap in your lifetime. And now at Bradford that you make, what are some of your favorite bars? And we won't assume that means Bradford made them. So yeah. feel free to say whatever brands yeah, you like. You know, it's like, we, well, we make hundreds of different soaps. And I'll be honest okay. with you, I probably haven't tried all of them. At the minute, I've got a couple of favorites that are actually, believe it or not, and not soaps. They're Sindex. Okay. Um, and it's 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 um, Cetaphil from Galderma and it's CeraVe from L'Oreal. The creamy, the 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 mild. I actually use them in in the shower, and I can shave with them as well. But that creamy, as well as washing, I can actually shave in the shower because they're that creamy. They're very mild. You can use them on your face and you don't get that sort of tight feeling you sometimes get with some of the cheaper soaps. And uh, I just all in all love those two soaps and they're the ones that, that are in my shower. Obviously, I, I get to use lots and lots, but they're the two that I, I keep returning to. And, and not to get too personal here, but so you use those on your body as well. Yes. Oh, yeah, all <laughs> okay. over. Yeah. So you must have very soft skin because those are like, I think of those as like facial bars, but of course, why not use it on all of your Yeah, skin? no, I, I, I use it all over. I mean, okay. I think as much as they're dermat they are dermatological type soaps, so they actually do want you to use them all over your body because typically, you know, a lot of times when people have got skin issues like eczema, psoriasis and things, it's not just on their face, it's all over their body. Yeah. So dermatologists actually do say to you, yeah, use this all over your yeah, body. Why wouldn't you? In, mm -hmm. instead, of, uh, instead of what you normally would. Okay. Sorry if that got a little personal, but you do make soap, so we're allowed to ask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, before we let you go, at the end of every podcast, we ask our interviewees the same five questions. Are you up for it? It's a little bit of a speed round. Let's go. <laughs> okay, let's go. What is the first beauty or grooming product that you remember using and falling in love with? Um, a bar of soap, believe it or not, in England, there's a brand in England called Imperial Leather. And the one thing that's special about it is it's got a label that sticks onto the bar and it stays there till right till the very end. And I grew up with it as a kid. kid. And I ended up actually going to work for them for about 17 years, uh, coincidentally. But I love that product. And everybody, when I, you know, used to say to me, Imperial Leather, how do they get the label to stick on right <laughs> till the very end? But I could never tell them. I was never allowed to. Oh, okay. Well, we trade check secret. that out and see the secret. Yeah, trade secret. Okay, what <laughs> quality do you admire most in other people? Uh, honesty. It's a good one. Now, if there was one rule you wish everybody would follow, what would it be? Um, do what you say you're going to do. Follow through. <laughs> follow through. Very good. Um, and what is the most played song on your playlist right now or like a favorite tune right now? Uh, Lovely Day by Bill oh, Withers. And the reason being it's one. the only song I think I can sing and I quite often serenade my wife's wife to it when I'm the wrong side of a bottle of uh, Mayomi. So 
<laughs> the wrong side of a bottle. I so want to hear you sing, but we're not. You're drinking That's wine so right now, so you're safe. Okay, you're That's good. That's really funny. Okay, last question. If there was a movie made of your life, who would narrate it? Who would narrate it? Um, it would probably be Hugh Grant. Yes. I like that. Of course it would be. Hugh Grant's in a couple of movies where he's, as well as starring in the movie, is also like the the commentator to them and the voiceover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he's really good at that. I mean, my favourite movie is one called Love Actually, where not only does he star in it as as the Prime Minister of England, he actually narrates over the top of it and he does a fantastic job. Yeah. And I'd love him to do a story of my life. Oh my God, it'll start in the shower with you lathering <laughs> exactly. up. I have it I have it all planned out. Um, this was so informative. I feel like everybody learned so much about that so little, little bar in their shower that they didn't know. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cool. This is great. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's Hyacera is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. 
Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.